Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In today's episode, we're going to complete our series, The Preaching Lab. We're going to look at the delivery of the sermon. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. We started a series a few weeks ago called The Preaching Lab, where we look at the breakdown of studying and preparing a sermon or a lesson uh, for a youth class or a youth service. Well, we're going to conclude this series today by looking at the delivery of the sermon and after the sermon. I want us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Verses 3 and 4, I'm going to read those again. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 12 through 14 are quite controversial uh, and intriguing portions of Scripture. Within these chapters, Paul is outlining the the usage of the spiritual gifts within the church. Uh, The Corinthians had been misusing their spiritual gifts within the church, and Paul wanted to be sure to correct them. The correction did not include dismissing the gifts of the Spirit altogether. No, instead he wanted to make sure that they were being used correctly. One of the issues was using the spiritual gifts Uh, for personal edification. The gifts of the Spirit were not to be used to glorify the individual uh, using the spiritual gift, but they were to uh, instead edify the church. Now, before we go much further uh, talking about the delivery of the sermon, I want to clarify why I'm referring to Paul's usage of prophecy or prophesy uh, in connection to preaching. Uh, The word prophesy in the Greek uh, means to make a representative declaration of the mind, will, or knowledge of a God as in his agency under his influence or indwelt by him. Now, as Pentecostals, we believe in the foretelling of future events in prophecy, uh, but we also believe in the foretelling of God's will that is found in Scripture. Preaching is prophecy in a broad sense, 
is that we are inspired of the Holy Spirit and we are giving the interpretation of divinely inspired Scripture. Literally, we are speaking on behalf of God. It's so in a broad sense, prophecy is preaching. Now, I also believe that prophecy is foretelling future events, that one can come under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and speak on behalf of God in prophecy. But in the broad definition of prophecy or to prophesy, that includes preaching. And so uh, I believe firmly that when we are preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and we are preaching the inspired Word of God, we are speaking on behalf of God. We are prophesying. We are preaching. Uh, And so Paul shows how preaching or prophesying should work in the church. He says in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 14, But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. So here are the three points as we deliver our sermon that we should try to edify, we should try to exhort, and we should try to console or comfort. Uh, Preaching involves these things as we're delivering. Now, we've spent time in prayer. We may have fasted. We've spent much time in study. We've spent time in interpretation. We've spent time in creating the outline, finalizing our sermon. And now we're about to come to the pulpit, come to the lectern, and preach or teach. Uh, So what are our objectives as we begin to speak on behalf of God? And brethren, let me say, there should be a gravity in our spirit knowing that we are speaking on behalf of God. That's why we spent so much time in preparation, because we want to be sure that we know what God's Word says. Now, as we approach the pulpit, as we are about to preach to our youth and our uh, service in our in our Sunday school class, whatever the venue, the audience might be, we're speaking as a prophet unto God's people. We are declaring the things of God on His behalf. We are messengers. We are ambassadors. We are speaking on behalf of God. That's why it is so important that we spend quality time in prayer and in study of God's Word. Because as we are about to preach, we are speaking as the mouthpiece of God. And so we are to edify, number one, edify the church. This is one of Paul's favorite words uh, borrowed from architecture. To edify means to build up. This concept is not alien to the body image of a church. Uh, Even today we speak about uh, bodybuilding exercises. Uh, There's an overlapping of images here that Paul is using when he uses the word to edify or edification. The body of Christ is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's the temple of the living God. And so Paul's choice of the word edify was a wise one. We must aim, brethren, to build up, to increase people's knowledge of Christian truth. 
and their ability to live the Christian life. Uh, the man of God uh, seeks to build up the believer's understanding of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So we are building up, we are edifying as we are preaching, as we are declaring the truths of God, God's Word. We are building up the church. We are never to tear down the church. Preaching, now listen, preaching has powerful consequences. We can either build up or we can tear down. Many have been hurt by preaching in churches. The man of God is not to tear people down, but we are to edify through the scriptures. This does not mean that we leave out the controversial parts of scripture which uh, calls man to repent. Uh, but even in that, we are building them up to see the glory of God's forgiveness through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. This is the, uh, the backwardsness of the, uh, the seeker-sensitive church today, is that they, in order to, they think that to build up people, they have to leave out portions of Scripture. Uh, let it not be said among us that we are compromising Scripture to build people up. If anything, we are giving them a malnourished food. We're giving them a, uh, we're, we're leaving out the nutrients that they need to build them up. We're not helping them at all by leaving out the controversial things of Scripture. Because when things come, when trials come and problems come, they need something to grab onto. Uh, they're going to have to grab on to doctrine. They're going to have to grab on to truth. And so it's important as we build up. We're not leaving things out. No, we are presenting it in a God-glorifying method. We're building up. We're not tearing down. We're not up there to hurt people. We're not there to uh, condemn people. We are there to preach the Word and to build them up. Now, uh, the Corinthians mistakenly used their spiritual gifts to build themselves up. Uh, instead of instead of building up others, they were edifying themselves as they were using uh, their their giftings. Uh, we we're not preaching to build up ourselves or to build up our ministry or to build up our platform. No, we are to build up the church. That only hurts the church when you're trying to build yourself up and you're trying to build your ministry up and promote yourself. No, we are to promote repentance. Let's promote uh, forgiveness of sins. Let's promote the blessings of God upon people. Let's promote revival. Let's promote the scriptures. Let's promote Jesus Christ being glorified. We're not building ourselves up. We're not glorifying ourselves. The Lord says that he will not share his glory with another, and that includes the preacher. Delivering the sermon is the culmination of hours and days and weeks of preparation. It's easy uh, to get to this point in the sermon process and think you're, you're doing this to build up yourself. However, it's our obligation as God's messengers to speak on behalf of God to God's people. I say this when I pray before I preach or I'm in the pulpit and the, 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 the dedicatory prayer before I preach, I'll say, God, these are your people. I am your servant. This is your word. This is your anointing. This is your church. Uh, and this is your preferred method of communicating the gospel. 
It puts me out of the way that it's all God's anyway. It's his people. It's his word. It's his anointing. I'm his servant. And he is going to receive all of the glory because we are edifying not just the church, but we are glorifying and edifying and making God great. Next, he says, the delivery is in exhortation. The word exhortation in the Greek means the act of earnestly supporting or encouraging or encouraging a response or an action. Uh, Paul uses this same word, uh, exhortation, in reference to the preaching of the Word of God in 1 Timothy 4.13. He says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. It is also used in connection with building up the early church and the comforting of the Holy Spirit in Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, edification and exhortation go hand in hand with preaching. We build up and we comfort. We are like the surgeon. The man of God is precisely cutting to the heart with the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, but then the man of God quickly comes in with the balm of the Holy Spirit to comfort, uh, to heal, to, uh, to help them, to exhort them. We're encouraging them to do something, to take action. Uh, the sermon has teaching, rebuke, correction, and instruction according to 2 Timothy 4.16. However, it also builds up and encourages. The sting of rebuke uh, is relieved with the salve of the gospel. It must be encouraged to be applied. It's not enough just to cut and open them up like a surgeon. We must sew them back together. We must put them back together. Uh, the pain of the diagnosis is met with the antidote of the, the amazing message of Jesus Christ. The hearers aren't left without hope and healing. No, therefore the man of God must encourage them uh, to respond, to take the antidote of Jesus Christ and the Word of God into their lives. The delivery is making clear there needs to be a response to God's Word. Now, I'm not talking about just a an audible sound of someone saying, Amen, that's right, or uh, go ahead, preacher, preach on. That's, that's fine, but the true response is them not just being hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. They're taking it. Going back to our last episode where it's, head, hands, and heart. What are we wanting them to do? What are we? What action are we wanting them to respond to? Is it repentance? Is it baptism? Is it uh, seeking for the Holy Ghost? Is it uh, giving? Is it serving? Is it ministry? What, what are we wanting them to do? We wound, but also we heal. We are exhorting and we are edifying. And then he says, uh, for consolation or comfort, the word consolation in the Greek is the act of giving relief in affliction. The man of God comforts the afflicted. You know, the saying goes, we afflict the comfortable, uh, but then we comfort the afflicted. Uh, the delivery is one of hope and comfort. Don't be negative in the pulpit. Don't, uh, you're not up there to grind an axe, to, uh, to get on your soapbox and uh, get on all of your get out all of your pet peeves. Preach the word, uh, exhort, edify, edify, comfort 
uh, we, we are trying to help people. Uh, there should be a there should be some there there should be some hope in your sermon in the delivery. The sermon illustrates the gospel in the darkness of people's lives. Uh, in any group of people, there will always be some whom life has hurt, and within uh, the Christian fellowship, uh, they must be able to find beauty for their ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So we must comfort them. We must comfort people. And again, this is not sugarcoating the sermon. This is not uh, trying to water down the, the content. No, but in your delivery, you're aiming to make a response from people. You're aiming them to, to hear the word of the Lord. Look at the prophets of the Old Testament. They're, they're trying to get Israel to turn. They're trying to get them to mend their ways. That's what we're trying to do as prophets of God, as preachers. We are trying to see the response, to turn around, to change. And so we're doing it in a way that's comforting, uh, in a way that's edifying, that's building up. We're doing it with exhortation. We're trying to encourage them. Now, Bishop McCool has taught us here at First Apostolic Church about the tone zone, the tone zone. Uh, he says that uh, it's you can have the right things to say, but you could say it in the wrong way. Uh, he quotes Ecclesiastes 12 and 10, uh, the, the man of God, the preacher, sought out acceptable words. We must choose our words correctly, but we must also choose the right tone. I know of several fine preachers who uh, have probably have good to great content, but they have poor to super poor tone. It's how they say it. It's it's the it's the delivery of what they're saying, and and. You don't be that guy where they're thinking, oh, man, here, here he comes. Uh, here's Mr. Negativity, Mr. Mr. Pessimistic. The glass is always empty. Uh, be positive. Uh, be positive. Put a smile on your face. Uh, you know, deliver it with, uh, uh, with some gusto. Uh, say it with some, with some feel, with some passion. You don't have to be a negative Nelly. You don't have to get up there with Millie Mouth Faith. Get up there and preach the Word of God that's alive and inspired of God. Act like you're inspired of God. Uh, say it with some passion. Say it with some joy. Offer people hope. I don't want to go to a doctor that's always doom and gloom. I don't want to go to a doctor who's pointing me to the casket and pointing me to the grave. No, give me some light. Give me some hope. Give me some something to grab onto in my darkness. <coughs> now, as far as delivery, let me say this. I, when I began preaching, I wanted to sound like all my favorite preachers. I wanted to sound like Lee Stone King. I wanted to come out and everyone clap your hands and, uh, and you know, the footfall of the master. And the, you know, I, I wanted to sound like Lee Stone King. Uh, then I wanted to sound like Anthony Mangan. Then I wanted to sound like... Um, uh, Jason Sisko. Then I want I wanted to sound like my 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 heroes Nathan Thornton and Jonathan Voskis and Tim Gill. I want to sound like those guys, and I got very frustrated 
uh, when I didn't sound like them or uh, I didn't have the results that they did. So let me say this to you, young man. Be you. We don't need another Lee Stone King or Anthony Mangan. You be you. Preach like God has given it to you. You don't have to be somebody else because you'll never be them and you'll never have their results and you'll be frustrated. Be you. We need your voice. We need your delivery. We need your revelation that God is giving you through prayer and study. We need you. We need what God's giving you. Don't be frustrated when you don't sound like XYZ preacher. Be yourself. You don't have to be spit and speed. You know, slow down, teach. I heard uh, somebody say one time they had a uh, one of my favorite preachers at their church, and he's not a uh, spit and speed preacher. He's not a hollower. He's kind of just you know he's just kind of calm. And a uh, man in, in the in this man's church, a, a, a saint in the church, came to the pastor and said, "I didn't get anything out of that." And this preacher is world renowned for being one of the greatest apostolic preachers. And he said, I didn't get anything out of that. He said, what do you mean you didn't get anything out of that? He said, man, he didn't scream at all. Brethren, preaching shouldn't be just about screaming. It's about the content. It's about a man who spent time with God in prayer, who has something to say to God's people. Be yourself. God created you in your, in his image. He doesn't want you to be somebody else's image. Just be yourself, okay? Now, I want to talk about after the sermon here. We've prayed, we've, we've prepared, we've delivered the sermon, and that's uh, all exciting. However, no one seems to prepare you in seminary or in Bible college or in ministry training about after the sermon. It's after the sermon where you will meet doubt, fear, questions, and spiritual battles. One of my closest friends, Nathan Thornton, calls them APDs, after preaching devils. And they are real, brethren. They are out there waiting to get you. They put fear and doubt in your mind. Was that okay? Why did I say that? Oh, I should have done more. And you'll just you'll fight these internal battles. And then what you'll try to do is then pride will sneak up on you and try to get some type of affirmation from somebody. And you'll put the bait on the pole and, and you'll put it out there and you're trying to get compliments to try to help you to be, feel affirmed. Brethren, don't do that. Get it from the Lord. If you've prayed, if you've studied, you've spent time with the Lord, uh, and, and, and if you've done what you have done as a reasonable service, know that God is in control. You don't have to worry about if everyone liked it or not. You don't have to worry about it. Now listen, the people who will butter you up with compliments after you're preaching, chances are they'll be the same ones who will chew you up and spit you out. Don't live for the applause of men and the approval of men. Get the approval of God. Do the reasonable service of preaching the word in season and out of season. Ask yourself these questions after you have preached. Number one, did my tone communicate love? Did my tone communicate love? Number two, was the scripture hermeneutically correct? Did I rightly divide the word of truth? Did I cut it straight in my interpretation? Number three, was the big point 
communicated clearly. We talked about that big point in the preparation process. Was the big point communicated? Number four, was the church edified, encouraged, and comforted? Brothers, let's seek to edify the church, to comfort the church, to encourage the church. We're trying to win souls. We're trying to change lives through the preaching of God's Word. Let's pray that we might be not just better students of God's Word, but let us be better preachers of God's Word. I hope you have enjoyed this series, The Preaching Lab. I hope you'll share it with others and you'll, you'll give it to other young ministers as well to help them as well. If you've not yet, go to my website, nswhitley.com. There's more articles there. I've got uh, many of these. All of these uh, sessions are on there. Uh, go to Facebook. Just search N.S. Whitley. You could find our page there. Also, I'm on Twitter, at N.S. Whitley. Follow me. Connect with me. I'm always wanting to answer questions, to hear back from you. Uh, go to iTunes and, and to uh, subscribe to the podcast. I'd greatly appreciate that. There's more lessons, more sessions coming. I thank you for your prayers. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information, visit my website, nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at nswhitley.com. And be sure to like my page and share my page on Facebook, nswhitley.